Hi, and welcome back to episode four of the Bridgerton Bitches. My name's Christina. And I'm Natalie. And today we're going to be looking at episode four of the Netflix TV series Bridgerton. If you like Harry Potter, be sure to check out our Harry Potter podcast at Hogs Media. Uh, You can find us on Facebook too. So Chris, do you know what the name of episode four is in Bridgerton? Oh, I cannot remember. I never remember the episode names, if I'm going to be honest. You find it a bit boring. I think it's an affair of honour. Ooh, okay, drama. Lots there, of drama in this episode. There is a lot of drama in this episode. So shall we start off with our best bits? I've got loads here. What were some of your best bits? There were a lot. Um, as you know, I am a massive fan of Anthony and Sienna and their love story. And I was very pleased to see that they appear a lot in this episode. So where to start? I realised that I'm in love with um, Anthony's sideburns. I think they really suit him. Um, So first of all, we have Anthony at the ball, just gazing at Sienna when she's singing. What did you think about that? I love the intensity of this couple. There are a couple of scenes. His eye contact is so intense. And there's a moment when she's looking back at him and it looks like she's miming because she's so distracted. I didn't notice that he's just he's a very handsome young man Um, and their intensity and their chemistry is so good I actually wrote that down their chemistry is really good Um, they obviously one of my favorite bits I'm not gonna lie is Sienna and Anthony's um, sex scene in the doorway so you know when he like knocks on her door and she's like he's like look I'm gonna have this jewel um I could die and she kind of hesitates and then she drags him in and they have that really hot scene I love it I love that they couldn't even wait to close the door it was so passionate and so intense I also love how he just looks at her in such an imploring wantful way and then he looks at her and he says, please forgive me for wasting your time. That humility, isn't it? Yes, but do you know how I feel about the quite unnatural dialogue and the script being actually really hard to make it sound natural and conversational? Yeah. There was a bit in this scene which I just, again, found really difficult. Um, so Sienna says, you talk of dreams, my lord, yet you deprive me of my sleep. And she goes to turn around and I'm like, oh, it sounds so unnatural. It almost sounds Shakespearean, I thought. It was almost poetic to the point of this feels so stilted and unnatural. And I think there's, I noticed that in the last episode with Sienna. So I just, there's a few moments where I'm like, oh, I'm not loving the script and the delivery. I agree. Who says that? And I, I feel like has she been practicing like has she been practicing what she might say to him if he comes to her house and how she's going to be like burn it just didn't feel it didn't it felt really artificial didn't it yeah that's exactly it and it was so poetic um was she reciting it from a book she'd just been reading I don't know it felt very unnatural and yeah there's there's quite a few instances of that in Bridgerton and normally Daphne's the culprit but I will say Sienna's had a few Maybe she was trying to impress him, doing a bit of side study, trying to show him that she could fit in with the upper classes. I will say something I was, I've was i also written down. I think out of all of the actors and actresses in this series, um, the one that really comes across the most naturally with the script, even though sometimes she's got some difficult lines, is Lady Featherington. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's because she's quite an experienced actress. So I know her from um, that Rome series. 
really years ago I think it was about 10 15 years ago I don't know if it was HBO or BBC I can't remember who did it um so she's used to being in a historical drama so I don't know if that's part of the reason she does have a lot of presence and I do really watch enjoy I do enjoy watching her scenes yeah I think she's really good yeah, she's definitely um, warmed. I've definitely warmed to her. So I have a couple of best bits and I've written them down chronologically. Are you right if I kind of rewind a little bit and share some of my best bits? So opening scene, we see Daphne and the mum trying to scram a little bit of food from the table. Prince approaches Daphne and my eye was drawn to his crotch. You know, you know how they say if you want to be, if you want to wear a slimming colour, you wear black. He wears white, like he's trying to make it look bigger. So I just want to say, and then when the uh, the queen says to the prince, give her your gift, I was like, okay, is that a euphemism? And also, is the prince her bitch? Yeah, I mean, I didn't notice that about the crotch area, but to be honest, Regency breeches were tight, weren't they? And even if you look at old portraits, you know, you can kind of see the package in the breeches and you're right I guess because they're a pale color it does show it off yeah it do you know what it really annoys me how the queen is bossing the prince around throughout this whole thing I actually wrote this down I was like it makes no sense to me that the prince is not having some some kind of dynastic match here like realistically he'd be forming matches with other foreign princesses wouldn't he I do not understand why he's so desperate to get with a daughter of a lady that's it she's not a duchess she's not a princess like I just don't get it he later says doesn't he that he actually left his country to find a princess but if he's really rich and he can have the pick of women but you're right if you think about what Queen Victoria did with her children she did match them up across the country so yeah I I just don't get it It's, it's all really silly and the queen only wants him to get with Daphne because what because some because oh because the queen said Daphne was the best woman in the town she's got to prove herself right like it's it's really lame the queen I just think she's a bit insecure because her husband's crazy and I think she doesn't want to look embarrassed she doesn't want to be shown to be wrong does she they said that at the start of the episode the queen can't be embarrassed by that Hmm. and then um I have another funny bit and then I'm going to ask you what your favorite bit was I love the scene where Benedict and the artist, they have a bit of a convo again. And the artist is, um, he's indulging Benedict's criticism of everyone's art. And then he turns around really suddenly and says to Benedict, where's yours? Don't tell me you're not an artist. (laughs) I loved that because it's like what people really easily criticize others, but they don't actually do anything on their own. And I just thought it was hilarious. Also though, did you notice any sexual tension between those two? Because I picked up on this right at this at this scene. Yeah, I remember watching the, it for the first time thinking, oh, right, they're going to sleep together. That's, you know, when he goes to the kind of orgy at his house party, I was expecting them to get together. Um, so I was kind of confused at the end of the series when he gets with, you know, the French seamstress lady, is it Madame Delacleur or whatever? Um, and I was like, oh, where was that going? Yes, so the orgy isn't in this episode, but it is later on in the series. But you're right. I reckon this guy, this actor, is almost like the bridge into the alternative world. But I definitely thought there was, the way the actors played it, I thought there was a bit of, you know, playfulness there, a little bit of, yeah, a bit of fun. But yeah, maybe that will be in series two. 
maybe so moving on from that anything else that you liked from this episode um one of my favorite scenes is when they're at the boxing match and Daphne's with the prince and she's trying really hard not to look at Simon Simon is looking at her acting jealous and then there's this bit where Simon kind of takes off his jacket and he's rolling up his shirt sleeves and he's wearing this really nice outfit it's like a black shirt with a black waistcoat with gold on it and like he's really he's rolled up his sleeves so high that you can see his bulging biceps and she just looks like oh my god and she looks like so turned on by it yeah I love it do you know what I thought was funny when at the start of the episode um the prince is putting the necklace on her and she's fantasizing that it's the duke placing it on her neck and he's touching her skin and then the prince turns around and says oh you're right love pretty much and she looks like she's like about to pass out and I bet the prince is thinking gosh she's easy like she'll be really easy to please in bed all I've got to do is put a necklace on her and she's like pretty much gagging for it yeah um so there's also that bit so I don't know if this is at the same ball and I think it's later on isn't it when they're at the ball and this I just yeah that whole scene where she leaves and Simon's chasing her I put that down as the best bit and what I love is when he's they have that conversation she runs off because she's frustrated with him because he won't say what she wants him to say and then he chases her and he was like Daphne I forbid you and I'm like oh I love how he's trying to take charge he's telling her he's telling her that he's forbidding her to run away love it and he says it's not safe out there there's no one out there she's not safe from you and yet you're following her around um that scene was incredible but he really goes for it before that when they're having that conversation she takes her little necklace off and puts it down and I was thinking I was thinking you don't know where that necklace came from that could be millions of years old and you've just tossed it you're not wearing it when your brother Anthony brings you back through the ball so who's who's got that necklace oh my goodness you know what I didn't notice that but you're totally right she's just left it there I think what do you worth thousands of pounds what an awkward conversation when the prince is like you know that necklace it was like my great 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 times a thousand grandparents can I just have that back like you broke my heart you made a fool of me but at least give me my necklace back and she's going to be like so about that yeah yeah that is awkward um there's quite I've just realized there's quite a few things I've written down under best bits for this ball Mm -hmm. so something else I just want to point out a lot of the women at this ball are wearing black sashes under their bust with white dresses and I just thought it looked really cool did you notice that no it looks really nice I don't know where they've got it from whether there's like a, a fashion plate or something they're copying but it looked really cool um sorry Can I just say then, is it because the woman who's holding the ball, it was her husband has died. So it's like a little nod to the fact that he's dead. Oh, I did not get that. Well done. Well spotted. You could be right. Like a morning black band. But then it seems weird to have a ball if your husband's just died. So I get you. That could be it. Yeah. Um, Someone did say that it was quite provocative. Like they had fire, fire breathers and people like acrobatting and cages and stuff it didn't feel like a bereavement party it felt like a party time party yeah I know what you mean um that was a bit odd I love how the mum's getting drunk as the night goes on so she starts off downing a glass of champagne because she's quite I think 
disturbed by Daphne's behavior and uh, she just gets progressively more drunk as the evening goes on and she I, I love it I love how she's having a good time and just letting go she reminds me of a kid like when at the start of the episode Daphne and her are waiting for the prince to arrive and the mum just helps herself to the food at the table and Daphne's like mother and her mum is like don't worry no one's looking at me yeah, I think Daphne is way more uptight, whereas the mum is quite relaxed, apart from when anyone wants to talk about babies or sex. Um, mm. But she's, I think her mum would be kind of fun on a night out. What I loved, yeah, I definitely think so. She kind of reminded me of you, the way she was just like, she had that glass of wine, she was like, chug, chug, chug. And I was waiting, <laughs> for, the, I was waiting for the camera to scan away from her, but she just kept chug, chug, chug. And I was like, okay. Love it. Good, um, good time out. I loved in this episode how uh, the Duke got called up a few times for his selfish behavior. So first, so firstly, when Will, Will, he's lovely, isn't he? I liked the scenes with him in. Um, anyway, we, can we just finish off on the ball? Are you moving away from the ball thing? Because there's a few more things about that ball that I wanted to add in. Oh yeah, defo, go for it. So um, a couple things I, I really love. So, um, as Daphne is rushing to leave the ball to go out into the garden where she ultimately meets Simon, Lady Culper, she bumps into her and she says, watch where you're flying, angel. In like a really bitchy, like, oh yeah, you little angel, aren't you, love? Like, you're so you're special. Um, I thought that was really funny. And obviously she makes that snide remark then when she's witnessed Daphne in the garden. And she's like, oh, did you get did you get cold out in the garden whatever it is um what I just find ludicrous can I just ask what do you think she meant by that statement watch where you're going angel that's a weird thing she said watch where you're flying angel because Daphne's bumped into her and she's just taking the piss out of the fact that Daphne is supposed to be this perfect little angel that everyone loves it's like the kind of she's jealous it's just just being bitchy again isn't she okay I get it um what I just think is ludicrous is when Anthony discovers Daphne and Simon in the garden making out mm. and he says you defied her innocence and I was like oh my god they've snogged there's been a little bit of groping he's not had sex with her she's not like given him a hand shandy they've literally just snogged and apparently Anthony seems to think that that's defied her innocence I just thought how ludicrous that was yeah, it is. But I've got to say, I mean, Simon the Duke did not hold back. They were pretty, they were pretty going for it. And for someone who's so against marriage, I did feel a little bit like, oh, Simon, not cool, man. This is your best friend. You never wanted to marry her. Yet, you know, you were getting a free grab at her boobs. You were all over her ass. You were definitely trying to get a little bit of under the petticoat action. Like, do you know what I mean? I just felt a little bit like, not cool like he really went for it it was like I don't know do you know what I mean I I just thought it was silly that a duel was fought over a snog basically I understand if he had slept with her and taken her virginity you might have a duel because she's ruined I guess she was ruined anyway just with a kiss but I just thought it was ludicrous with basically they're killing each other over a snog it's not like he's raped her by today's standards, I agree with you. But back then, all a woman had was that innocence. That was all she had as part of that marriage deal. And if and for him to take advantage of that could could have potentially stopped um, 
Daphne from ever finding a husband. That would have been a whole, um, yeah, that would have been a real big mess. So I get it. And he had to be seen to be doing something because if he didn't stand up for his sister, what's to stop other guys from coming and making out with her and kissing her? And then before you know it, Daphne's joining Sienna and they're, they're, they're like house buddies and they've got gentlemen caller at night, you know? <laughs> I think just beating the shit out of Simon would have been enough. I think, I think in those days the most serious thing would have been taking her virginity or I, I suppose impugning her reputation but they didn't know anyone had seen at that point so they didn't know that Lady Corpa had seen and therefore Daphne was more at risk of her reputation so I don't know I just thought it was a little bit silly. For you I think it bothers you because it's, it's an ego thing isn't it it's more about Anthony needing to prove that he can look after the family he didn't and and he's got to prove it to himself and to the Duke that there's repercussions for being handsy with his little sister. I feel really mm. sorry for Anthony. It reminds you of a situation where you suspect someone's cheating on you, but they tell you everything's fine and actually nothing's actually happening. And then you find out actually they are cheating on you. And then you feel like, I knew it. Like I knew there was something going on. This is Anthony. I feel like he's been cheated on by his friend with his sister. Yeah. Can I just That's say... I loved it when Daphne and Simon the Duke were talking in the garden before they both followed each other into the garden. And she says, I'm going to be a princess, foot stamp. <laughs> I found that so, such a turn off. When she did that, I was like, you sound like a twat. <laughs> um, you sound and look so petulant. Like, I, I just don't know why... Um, the Duke must have thought, oh, God, that's so off-putting. She was like a little spoilt brat. I think he liked it because did you notice he went really quiet and he just looked at her intently. And then she said, say something. And he couldn't. Do you think it was because he was so emotional and so overcome with how his feelings that he just didn't trust himself not to stammer? Maybe, but I think... Um because he was just wanting to question her when she said I'm going to be a princess and stuff and then he was like but is is that what you want is he the man you want and she was like how dare you question my choices he was he was starting something wasn't he he was starting the whole he was he was beginning it but I don't think he wanted to follow it through he was trying to stop himself wasn't he I feel like he went down that rabbit hole, but I was like, but why? By asking her that question, you're suggesting that there's an alternative. What does it matter what she wants if she can't have you? If he had really no feelings for her, the best thing for him to have done would have been to say, I'm very happy for you and then walk away. So I even... like He's clearly got feelings for her. I think they were showing that ever since like really episode two. Yeah. They clearly had feelings for each other. So I guess he just couldn't help himself. Yeah, and I like that. I like that he couldn't help himself and he, he pushed a little bit. And I really like the conversation between him and Lady Danbury. She's really sarcastic. She's like, I wish I could say that I'd, I've enjoyed our, and, you know, our frequent time together because he clearly hasn't spent much time with her. And then Lady Danbury has a conversation with Simon that basically says you let a good woman run, like go past your fingers or whatever the expression is. What are you going to do? And she tries but to... There's... She, she tries to save him. She tries to like tell him that love conquers all. And he's like, nope, I'm damaged goods, ma'am. Like Simon, I did feel, feel like it was a little bit trite. Like, yeah, I'd love to believe that. But, you know, you're talking to someone who had a lot of abuse from his dad all his life. He's got issues. I don't think that is going to make 
I don't think that's going to transform his opinion of the world. Yeah, she was trying to have a really Disney romantic yeah. kind of outlook. And it's like, yeah, it's not quite real. Love doesn't conquer all, does it? It doesn't no. save everything. There was, a, there was a quote she said in that conversation, which I really like that I wrote down, which is quite cynical about him. And she says, you will do what you have always done and take everything you have for granted. Yeah. And I think she's trying to say like, he's a duke he's in a very well he's in a very lucky position he's got a lot of wealth he's got a lot of opportunity um and he just doesn't seem happy i think that's what she means like if you think about it he just doesn't seem like a happy person he's got all this stuff all this position and title and everything do you think he'd be quite a selfish partner because he's so used to just doing whatever he likes he can travel he goes wherever he fancies he rakes across the land he comes and goes as he pleased. Do you actually think in real life he'd be quite selfish? Yeah, um, that just reminded me that other quote Daphne said, um, you rake across the continent. And I thought that was really funny. I just thought it was a bit ludicrous, but um, it was funny. Yeah, he would be selfish because he's basically lived a playboy lifestyle his whole life. So how is he supposed to then adapt to settling down, having to think about a partner, having to stay in one place? Yeah. Probably would be. I think so. Uh, the only thing we haven't mentioned that I really like is the conversation between Colin and Penelope. So she makes a barb, as he calls it, when she says, oh, don't you think the baby, that the child of the woman who's hosting the party, has a striking resemblance to the butler? And Colin looks down at her and he says, oh, you barb, or what a barb. And then he looks at her and they maintain eye contact for a while. And then he licks his lips and looks away uncomfortably. I will say, so this quote from Penelope is the first clue for me that made me believe she was Lady Whistledown. What? So I didn't suspect her at all. But when, if you think about it, that quote is a very Lady Whistledown thing to say. She was basically casting suspicion. So she was creating gossip. And I remember watching it the first time and thinking, oh, my God, you sound exactly like Lady Whistledown. And then I kind of dismissed it because I was like, no, it can't be her. Um. So, yeah, I think she gave herself away a little bit there. I don't know why they had that weird kind of eye contact thing, but I've already written down that I think in series two, by the end of series two or in a few series time, those two are going to get together. I think that is going to be, that is going to happen. I think it'll be season three because I think it's an it's a season per child. So you've got um... B, B for Daphne. Anthony's next, isn't he? So... Um, then Benedict and then Colin maybe I gotta say that the only clue I picked up on that um Penelope might be Lady Featherington was that scene where Eloise rushes to her door at midnight and says I got another clue who Lady Featherington is and the reaction um Lady Whistledown is and Penelope's reaction of like frustration and upsetness I thought was because I was like oh that's a weird reaction for her and I was thinking she almost seemed like a bit defensive and she lashed out and then she said that mean thing to Eloise about we can't all be a pretty Bridgerton but why I didn't think that was mean why did Eloise run away at that comment I think Penelope was clearly angry and she was basically like she was shouting at her and she was like you might not think we need to worry about marriage but I do I think it was more just like Penelope's anger at her and then and also um, she doesn't want to be a pretty Bridgerton. That's the last thing she wants to be. She's not interested in that. She wants to be a writer or an academic. Like, she doesn't identify as a pretty Bridgerton. 
So maybe that's kind of like she felt undermined when Pen- Penelope said that. Yeah. Fair enough. They were my favourite bits that we've talked about, to be honest. Um, yeah, so I heard... I had some shockers, really, quite a few shockers, things that kind of I found bad or annoying. So um, I hate Lord Featherington with a passion. Really? I hate him so much. He's Why? So, he ignores his wife. He doesn't even deem her important enough to answer her questions. He's hiding behind his newspaper. He makes decisions without even feeling the need to explain them to her. Hang on a second. Wait, wait, wait a second. When does he ignore her questions? I totally miss that. All the time. So when she's like, why do we have Marina here? He's like, it's none of your concern or I'm not having that conversation. When they're at the ball and she's like, can you explain to me why you've just told our daughter's suitor you've just warned him off or why you've just said that there won't be a marriage and he's like stop embarrassing me every time she has a question about what the hell's going on in their life he's so disrespectful yeah I don't hate him that much I thought he was more amusing but you really have taken a big dislike to him haven't you I don't think anything he does is amusing at all I think he's just he's useless and he ignores his wife and he's just got no respect for her whatsoever or anybody. What did and you he's think, selfish. What did you think of that scene then when that facade breaks down and she's like, look, Buster, you've screwed us over with the money situation. You've, there's nothing left for us or the girls. Then he breaks down and cries. Did you feel sorry for him then or did you warm to him? No, I didn't feel sorry for him, but I thought it was it was a relief that actually now she might be able to take control of the situation and actually be kind of more aware of what's going on. I thought it was quite funny when she was like, Archibald. Aww. I don't know why I found that quite amusing. Um, she looked shocked, yeah, didn't she? She didn't know what to do. Yeah, because he's been so like defensive um, and had this like complete kind of facade going up for so long. I think she was quite shocked. Isn't it weird, though, how that's happening, the money situation, and then we later find out that Lady Whistledown, a.k.a. Penelope, is, like, whittling away, you know, saving away all this money. I I wonder if she had saved enough to kind of save them from the debt that her dad had accrued. Oh, that's a good point, maybe. That is a good point, actually. I didn't think of that. Um, There's also this bit where Eloise is searching the servant's room, which is obviously really rude. It's kind of breaking boundaries. Um, and then when the servant finds her, she's quite rude to the servant, like, well, I'm a Bridgerton, so you, I'm demand that you tell me what's going on. And the maid's like, I wiped your bottom when you were in leading strings and all this. Um, and then when, when Eloise, when she's asking Eloise why she's searching her room, Eloise is like, Mama wants to count how many times Daphne and, Prin- and the prince are mentioned in Lady Featherington's newsletter. And I was like, yeah, you... And making your mum sound like a dick. Um, <laughs> but what I really liked is the servant just laughs and says, aren't you meant to be the clever one? Ha, 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 ha. I can't breathe. This is so funny. Um, so I thought it was a good scene. But I didn't like how Eloise kind of turned the whole class thing and was like, you're our servant. I'm a Bridgerton. You must tell me. And I was like, oh, F off, Eloise. I actually liked you. I really so liked. Haughty. I loved, though, how the maid turned on her. And then they were having like a bit of a rivalry for power in the power dynamic. I was like, oh, who's going to win here? And in the end, the maid won. But I liked that confrontation. It was funny. 
Yeah, and then Eloise just looks really embarrassed, like, oh, yeah, I've just shown myself up there. Yeah. Um, there was one scene that I was like a little bit cringe. You know the scene where the boys have decided a duel. Daphne finally finds out from Colin where they're dueling, and there's the scene where we see Daphne and Colin on their separate horses, oh, plodding along. But there's this scene. There's a snapshot of Colin from the side view on his horse. It looks massively CGI in the background. Did you notice that? Oh, okay. I didn't notice CGI. I thought you were going to say what I was thinking, which is I thought the horse riding looked really fake. I thought there's no bloody way they're actually riding a horse. In what way fake? It just looked really fake because they were so zoomed in on the person riding the horse. You couldn't see the horse. You could just see them like going up and down, up and down. And I was like, why have they filmed it like this? Because it looks really, it looks really fake. I, so we both noticed different things. I was focusing on the background, which looked fake to me. So that would suggest it was fake. <laughs> if well, we both I, think it. I also thought when they did Daphne riding, she had her cloak hood up. And when she had, when they showed the whole horse, it was from really far away. And I thought that's just a guy in a wig and a cloak. Um, so I looked it up and apparently um, Daphne and the Duke, the actors for them, did actually do horse riding lessons because- and training. So it is real. Oh, okay. So, wow, that's good to know. That what a cool job to be able to like learn new skills. Mm. I had a bit of a cringe moment when the when you had the fight scene, um, and Daphne stands up in the crowd, and she suddenly loses her regency, Lady of the Manor voice, and she goes, "Plant a facer," <laughs> in like a proper Cockney accent. Me, I can't do Cockney. And I was like, what's happened? Where did you hear plant a facer? You've never seen a fight before. And you yelled it in front of everyone. And there's a prince standing next to you. Were you not surprised by that? Yeah, I don't think I actually heard what she said. But um, I did think it was odd that she had like that little show of expression. It's a bit breaking character. But maybe she just heard one of the ruffians in the crowd say it earlier on. And she's repeating it. <laughs> Imagine, yeah, a bit weird. Imagine if she'd heard, like, oh, you, you mother beebing, see you next Tuesday, <laughs> you word. And she didn't realise what it meant. And she repeated that instead. <laughs> oh, my God. They need to refilm that and do it like that because that would be hilarious. Yeah. Did you have any other cringe or eye roll moments at all? I just thought it was gross when that old guy, I can't remember what his name is, was trying to court Marina. And every time they meet, he was just eyeball, eyeball, eyeball. And then he was like, show me your teeth, girl. Like she was some kind of horse. And then when I, Featherington's like, oh, there you go. She dances very well. Or, or she's very good at holding a conversation. She's like, oh, I'm not interested. I don't need a conversation. And I was like, oh, you're so gross. I hated that. I hate how he just objectified her and minimalized her and, and he acts like, oh, I'll still be thinking about it. You know, I'm not quite convinced. And I was like, she's incredibly beautiful and you're a disgusting old man. Why wouldn't you just snap her up? Why are you pretending to, why are you pretending that you have to think about it? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like he was potting the horse through its paces. So he wanted to see how she danced. He was like, I want to see how she does in polite conversation. Like, I think because she had a bit of an attitude problem the first time he met her, he was probably thinking, hmm. But it was just gross. It was like she was a literal piece of meat. 
I hate that. I hate, hate that. And that's the, that's probably a consistent eye roll, cringy, I don't like this society theme for me, how women are just treated like an accessory. Even the way that Anthony shuts the door in Daphne's face when he's got his brothers in the study because they're talking about the jewel the next day. I thought that was outrageous. Yeah, and she had absolutely no influence over that situation, even though it was about her life. Yeah. It was annoying as hell. So can I had you... a couple I had a couple of questions. So like you know when Cressida um tells off Daphne mm. and she's like, you know, you could have had any guy you wanted and you took mine. I always knew we'd be rivals in the marriage market, but you've kind of a whole a whole other level of low. Yeah. Do you think Cresta was in the right? I was gonna ask you this question. The answer is yes. And actually, Cressida isn't being bitchy when she says this. She's really reasonable. She says, you know, you know, I knew this would happen, but did you have to take the one guy that I had a chance with? You know, you could have had anyone. I actually thought Cressida was being really, really, really reasonable. Daphne's the one that's like, oh, basically, suck it up. And then she's really, um, Daphne just feels really ruthless. The way that she's watching the prince fill out her card and she's got no con- she's got no regard for Cressida. Uh, yeah, what- and then she acts like she's a victim. She's like, you know, Cressida, what do you expect me to do? And it's like, nah, uh, uh, it's not, you're not the victim here. You decided to ditch the prince, F around with Simon. I just, yeah, I, I mean, the prince has to take some accountability for being a douche too, but um, Cressida's Aww. right. I don't think the prince has been a douche. The first time he set eyes on her, he liked her. But do you remember how in the last episode we were saying the prince was being a bit of a douche because he completely dropped Cressida? Like he was literally stood next to Cressida mid-conversation, courting her. When Daphne comes in in the white dress, he just totally ditches Cressida. Oh, okay. That was a dick move. Okay. I remember now. So we both think that maybe actually Cressida, we feel bad for Cressida and actually she makes a good point, doesn't she? Yeah, like Daphne stole him. So, And Daphne yeah. had lots of other callers. Do you remember? She had loads of callers and she was really fussy. Oh, they don't know how to have a conversation or, oh, they're really droll. Come on, Daphne. You didn't give any of them a chance because you, you were moon-eyed over handsome Duke. Exactly. Um, Something else I noticed, which I was going to ask you. So, you know, when Simon decides that he's leaving... Uh, and he's going to go on a ship and leave the country and he goes back to his house and his servants are packing all his stuff and he sees the painting of his mother's that him and Daphne have been talking about when they were holding hands do you remember and he says what's this painting doing here and the servant said do you not remember you asked us to get it back for the museum and it was actually quite a difficult feat because he'd obviously donated to it Um, and Simon and I'm like how did he forget that what was that about did he do it when he was wasted I think he was drunk on love. I I reckon he did it as a spur of the moment request. And then with the drama of, you know, basically breaking up with Daphne and planning his move, I just think he totally forgot because his mind shift changed so much. He probably feels like he was in a different, that was a different lifetime ago. But I, I want to know, how many days do you think have passed since that episode and this one? Because in the beginning of episode mm-hmm. two, the mum says in the last couple of days. But Oh, right. I don't know. I didn't. I haven't. I didn't notice. You think it's a couple of days, do you? I I want to think it's like a couple of weeks. I want to feel like they've 
both Daphne and the Duke have had a couple of weeks of not really seeing each other. And that would explain why he'd forgotten about. Uh, maybe, about maybe. Um, really not sure. There's this scene um, where I wanted it to be good. It was, I don't know if it was if it was good enough, but Daphne is getting ready for this ball. And the mum is like, oh, you know, don't wear the necklace. We don't want the Duke, the Duke to get the wrong idea. And Daphne comes clean, doesn't she? And she's like, look, mum, it was a facade. It wasn't real. And then Daphne gets upset because mm. it's clear that even though it was a facade for her, there was a little bit of it that was real. Mm. Um, and I want it to be emotional. And the mum's reaction was really good. She looks kind of horrified. She looks upset. And she goes to hug her. And they hug each other. But I just feel like Daphne, I mean, there were no tears. She was kind of fake crying, but there were no tears. I just was like, I really wanted it to be more emotional than it was. What did you think of that scene? Yeah, I just wanted her to ugly cry. You know, when someone ugly cries, like in the nicest, most beautiful way. <laughs> it's just like when they're really vulnerable and they can't help how they look because they're just sad. And that's the problem with Daphne. She's so vain. I yeah, don't wanna, I just I, feel like... I don't want to hate acting, on her. Yeah, the acting wasn't great. Like she was fake crying, but it just wasn't, it wasn't great in that scene. But do you think, think though that if she had proper, like, you know scrunched up her face snot all over her mouth kind of horrible kind of really out there crying it would have ruined this illusion of her being really put together like a Disney princess is that what they're trying to do I but I didn't even need that I just wanted one tear would have been enough for me like a glistening of the eyeball would have been enough there was a dry it was dry as a bone like there was just she was like doing the whole I'm really upset I'm crying and I was like there's literally nothing there So for me, it just wasn't quite, it wasn't great. You're right. It would have been really intense if we'd seen the, like, the quivering lip and the eyes getting, like, filling up. You're right. That would have been really poignant. I think the mum looked more emotional and and more sad um, than Daphne. So I guess I just, maybe that's just an inexperienced thing with the acting. I don't know. But we've said this throughout. I think Daphne's character is quite aloof. She doesn't wear her heart on her sleeve at all, does she? No. Maybe that's part of the character, whereas Eloise is very out there and very open, very emotional. Yeah, I suppose so, actually. Do you think that the Duke is a bad friend because he was going to leave his friend Will and his wife and his ch- and their child and they don't come from a rich background, they're poor. He was going to just bugger off and go travelling and the, Will's wife was like, you're going to stay for the fight, mate. You owe us that. And Will is like, please don't leave before the flight fight. I couldn't help but feel that maybe the Duke is a bit selfish. He's not a very good friend. What do you think? Yeah, and I think he's supposed to be selfish. Uh, I think that's probably the definition of a rake. A rake is someone that like doesn't form intimate relationships. They put themselves first. They're just there for enjoyment and pleasure and a good time. So I suppose, yeah, he's not necessarily going to be a good friend. Um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad he he stayed. But also at the same time, like maybe he could support his friend a bit better, like invest in his business or something. I don't know. Yeah, so they are struggling for money, aren't they? Will and his wife and his kid. And then you've got the Duke who's really rich. And I was like, please give your friend money or finance his company. Or I just, are you not aware that there are things beyond your own life that are more important? Like you're going to leave your friend in financial hardship because you don't want to see your, your, this gal you used to fancy. 
But then maybe him and Daphne are quite similar because I think Daphne is very self-absorbed and she doesn't even notice the suffering of those people around her either. You're thinking of Anthony and the kitchen scene last episode, aren't you? Yeah, and also the fact that Eloise is going through a lot and Daphne just doesn't seem to get it. Um, yeah. You know, her mum is a widow and her mum admits on Daphne's wedding day how much she misses the dad. It's like, I don't think Daphne's aware of anyone else but herself. She does seem to be very easily overwhelmed. She does seem to be very upset, doesn't she? She's very fixated on having a husband, but is that the mum's fault? I mean, they set unrealistic expectations. The mum and the dad, the Bridgertons, it looked like a perfect marriage. That's probably doing the children a disservice in some way, isn't it? I mean, who can compete with that? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? The Duke goes to Will's house after Anthony is like, I'm going to duel you in the morning. And Will is like, if you want this shandy or beer or whatever it is in my, my, my liqueur cup, you've got to tell me what happened. The Duke spills the beans. And then Will says, exactly how insulted was she? Meaning how insulted was the lady? How insulted was Daphne? And then the Duke just looks at him in a knowing way. And then I was like, your face tells will absolutely nothing <laughs> and yet so i and yet you get an extra shot of dram or whatever it is because of that expression like what do you think will thinks the duke did to daphne i think it was really misleading because i think will was saying how insulted was she meaning how far did you go that's what i meant like as in yeah did you have sex was it just yeah. a snog um yeah. and by simon pulling that face and then will kind of going kind of oh like to me it made it look like he'd gone all the way well yeah that's what so that's what you're thinking then will interpreted that but surely not because that would be that would be sacrilegious that that would be diminishing Daphne but it happened it happened didn't it women got ruined women were sent to the country to have babies like it happened um that was more that's what I was trying to say earlier that's more what you'd fight a bloody jewel over um, that's the loss of innocence, not a snog. But why couldn't um, the Duke just say, I grabbed a bit of boob and I <laughs> shoved my tongue down her mouth? Like, Unless his facial expression was a face of, I'm not going into this, I'm not telling you. And Aww. we've misread it. But I definitely was like, that's misleading. You're making it look like to Will that you've gone all the way. Are you being a show off? Like, are you being like one of the, when you're younger and you want to make out you've done more than you have? Yeah, Is that what's happening here? He's like, yeah, Shagda, she was really up for it. <laughs> Tell Lady um, Whistledown, put that in the newsletter. Yeah. I really love Will because I just love how he's incredibly good looking. He's got a great body. Um, I know that's really superficial. So that aside, I love how he respects his wife for being bullshit. And she says, you didn't love me for my subtlety, my love, or something like that. And that's really different from the dynamic that we see with how men treat women elsewhere. And I thought that was really lovely how Will let his wife fight for him. Like they're a team. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they do seem like a team, but he does go to the dark side, doesn't he? Which is really disappointing. Okay, we'll talk about that next time because for now, I just want to enjoy this innocent view that I have of him okay. being a good husband and a good wife. A wife? dad but also what I don't get is he's training the Duke to fight isn't he like he's the better fighter he certainly looks it like he's very he's very hench isn't he well I think he's hench no mm-hmm. he's like he's a solid guy and yet 
I don't know when he's fighting I felt like the Duke was like giving him tips and I was like mate this guy's twice the size of you I think he can manage it was it more that he was just encouraging him and supporting him maybe like to be honest if I'm going to be honest I completely phase out with all the fighting scenes because I just don't find it interesting so I don't even know who's training who (laughs) I couldn't even tell you I totally phase out um are you distracted by the sweat beads running down their six-pack possibly maybe that's what it is no I think just because I'm just not interested in in the boxing I just didn't really pay attention so I don't know but um yeah no idea okay well there we go then I think they were most of my moments that I wrote down yeah I thought it was kind of funny, cute, like a little bit of humour was when um, Penelope's sister, I don't remember the names because they're like basically the same character. And she's dating that, she's kind of courting that guy and he sneezes when he brings in the daisies. And then he says, oh, that her dress looks like a slice of double Lester that her mother served up, like comparing her dress to treat to cheese. <laughs> um, and she's like, I prefer cheddar and Penelope's laughing. And actually, I've just realized that was another clue, I think, to Penelope being laid with Whistledown, because it was a scene where she was observing a situation, listening to the conversation and reacting to it. And that's what Whistledown does. She's an observer of people's conversations. So I've just realized I think that's another clue nice although the sister was also observing so it could have been the sister that was writing yeah but the way Penelope laughed she sniggered Mm. and I just thought hmm that's like I don't know it's almost like she's judging their conversation and finding it amusing and remembering it for later on I don't know I could be reading into it too much I do feel that I should add that actually this the, the sister the woman said that she preferred Stilton to Cheddar oh only because I know that when the casting crew and all those people listen to this podcast, they're only gonna like they're gonna complain. So I thought I should correct this now. Yeah, they're gonna yeah they're gonna complain about that. Can yeah. I just say off the back of that, off the Featheringtons, I thought it was hilarious when he when he comes with his flowers to see Lady Featherington, and the mum just assumes that they mean Marina, and he goes no no the the other Lady Featherington. And the dad just looks shocked and appalled. <laughs> Even the mum is like, oh, like, oh, really shocked. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to point out, Daphne's mum has an amazing rack. Uh, hello. There's a scene where Daphne's mum is, is stood by the piano next, and Daphne's playing the piano and Anthony comes in to tell them that the prince has asked for her hand. And her rack is so pushed up and looks so good. I was distracted the whole scene I could not stop staring at them you are where I was three episodes ago they look incredible her boobs look amazing I'd love to know what they do I would love to wear one of those dresses for the day I'd love to I thought Daphne's boobs looked bigger in this episode did you like I thought the dresses Mm. and stuff maybe they were pushed up a little bit more um maybe and I wasn't sure if that was done on purpose because she's trying to look as I don't know as as I don't know what bothers me and it's a little bit theater a little bit cartoonish not very realistic when it comes to costume is when the prince goes to the boxing match he's wearing basically ceremonial costume so you know he's wearing like the almost like military style like the jacket with their little um shoulder pads with the tassels I'm like that's like dress costume that's something you'd wear 
a highly formal like a ball I suppose he wears it in the evening as well and I was like you wouldn't wear that in the evening to a ball and in the daytime to a boxing match I just and and that kind of detail I just think is makes it a little bit a little bit I don't know silly it's do, you think, details. do you think it was a bit too much given the context of the ball it's a definitely a formal costume and it's like you it's like Daphne wearing a ball dress to a boxing match is they would have had definite evening wear and day wear and they've, they've messed up with the prince so I just they it was a bit silly. do you think they do they were just trying to show that he's like royalty so he had to wear special clothing though yeah but that's what I mean that's what turns it more into like it's not like a proper costume drama it's, it's more like it just reminds me of theatre. It's the kind of thing that it's like we've got to make this character look like a prince, and it's going to be really obvious. It's like as the audience, it's like I'm sure we can remember that he's a prince without having to put him in like a Disney-style prince's costume. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You're savage. I love it. You are Lady Whistledown. I would be such a good Lady Whistledown because I love gossip. And I'm quite good at getting information out of people. So I reckon I'd be so good. I'd love to write an anonymous newsletter. Actually, although it's actually kind of mean, to be fair, isn't it? What do you think? How ethical do you think Lady Whistledown's newsletter is? Such a good question. And I, I don't know if we're going to have time to go into this into a massive amount of detail. But do you think that she's a little bit... Do you think she looks down her nose at people? You know how Eloise is like scoffing at women for wanting to get married? And Eloise is all talk. Do you think that maybe Penelope is a little bit harsh? The way that she kind of, yeah, she is. It is cruel observations, isn't it? Like she makes observations about people going off to the country and illegitimate children. And like that footman, that comment about the baby looking like the footman, that was quite a cruel barb. It's a barb. So I do, I suppose ethically, it's morally, it's not a great newsletter, is it? Do you, think it's, people. do you think it's her way of lashing out because her mum makes comments about her weight and she's made to feel like she's never going to fit in and it's her way of being like middle finger to society. This is the only way she can think of to be like, screw you. Yeah, I think it would be interesting later on to find out her motivations for being Lady Whistledown. Like, is it because she doesn't have a voice or is it that she just loves reading and she wants to be a writer and the only thing a woman like her could write about is things like, a bit like Jane Austen, like observational writing about people's behaviour. Like she's she can't write about, I don't know, naval stories or adventure stories. She's writing about what she knows and what she sees every day. yeah. We'll have to revisit this, I think, as as more and more content comes out. Okay, cool. Well, um, give us a follow um, on our podcast and we will be releasing episode five soon. So come back and join us as we chat through Bridgerton. Thanks for listening. Bye.